This Week in Startups is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Get NetSuite's guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth, when you go to netsuite.com slash twist. Mixmax, the number one Gmail-based productivity application that declutters your email, prioritizes tasks, and automates your day. Go to get.mixmax.com slash twist for $100 in credits. And HubSpot. Join thousands of startups that are growing better with HubSpot for startups. Learn more and get extra benefits for being a Twist listener now at HubSpot.com slash startups slash twist. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of This Week in Startups. I'm your host, Jason Calacanis, and it's time for our news roundtable. Yes, we're going to talk about the news from startups to big companies. There's a lot going on. And with me, the longest running, most frequent guest on the program, Gadget Guy, Dave Matthews, is back for his triumphant what appearance is this? I mean, what appearance is this, Jackie? I want you to keep track of this and put it in the show notes. Anytime somebody's on multiple times, I want to know how many times because you're definitely in the 15 plus. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm a repeat think offender. Repeat that, offender, for yeah, sure. And certainly a repeat offender in producing gadgets that burn hundreds of uh, millions of dollars. Yes, let's do this. Absolutely. <laughs> Somebody complained the last time you were on. They are like, he's your friend? And you yeah, destroyed with him. With friends like you who needs enemies. This and is what it takes to live, you know, or, or have a, a relationship I, with someone from New York. It is. It's a dysfunctional relationship, yeah. but it's a lot of love in there. And of course, everybody loves the QCAT. They do. The device that burned through $200 million yeah. that the you created. The first Internet of Thing device. We had an amazing team, 300 people, $200 million raised, and... And 20, nothing came out of it. Twenty except million a huge devices. Crater. No, they're still on eBay to this day is the most hacked Absolutely. and sold device ever. What a team we we made of like loving people that it's created amazing. that product. It's sort of like being the mayor of like Pompeii or Atlantis, and it's oh, like in its heyday, it was yeah, amazing. I, I was the mayor, but of course everybody died and was burned in lava, and is yeah. now in the bottom Entombed. of the ocean, right? Or the Entombed. computer but history museum. We sometimes were also there. people pull out like remnants of this, you know, horrible disaster. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Oh, wonderful. It's yeah. an amazing feeling. Uh, but of course, now you're working on New Air, which is a tremendous success. Phenomenal. Not only a successful company, but we also won a little festival you started many years ago. Absolutely. Explain to people what New Air is. Let's get your plug out of the way early. Yeah. So it's a cookie for the real world. What we're doing is identifying people using wireless technology. So when you walk up to a screen like this one, it might tell you some information that you need to know automatically. Ah, much like... Minority Report. Much like that. Yeah. Got the uh, customized ads. Yeah, uh, Zach Coleus uh, is uh, an angel investor and runs a great uh, syndicate over at Angel List. You can go to angel.co slash Zach Coleus. That's C-O-E-L-I-U-S slash syndicate. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Or you can just type Zach Coleus Angel List and you'll find him pretty quick. Uh, you were on the Angel podcast. That was season one or season two. Do you remember? It was super early, so it must have been it must season have been one. Season one. Thanks yeah. for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you invest in how many companies a year? Ten, give or take. Ten depends on how how active I am and how good the deal flow is. And typically, what a hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand? They're going up now. Uh, last year, average was I think maybe six or seven hundred per deal, but wow. we go as big as five or ten million for later stage stuff. So we're we're getting. It's growing. The whole thing is just growing. 
It is amazing. I did a talk on syndicates uh, just uh, two days ago at the Upfront Summit that Mark Suster does, mm-hmm. and I explained, hey, here are the 90 syndicates we've done, and something magical happened. We went from being able to have 99 angels in a deal to 250. That is the reason this has blown up. Um, that and just check size. And then I also yeah. have a fund now. So that the, the point from the fund, we can write much bigger checks off of that. Fantastic. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, and so Zach is uh, Zach Colius on the Twitter. Z-A-C-H-C-O-E-L-I. U.S. And uh, just a quick plug for me. Launch Festival Sydney is going on. If, and if you're a founder, we'd like to give you a free ticket. Huh, how's that? Uh, LaunchFestivalSydney.com slash founder pass. Everything we do, we do to support founders with the super transparent goal of investing in your company and owning 5 to 10% of it before you become a unicorn so that I someday can buy the Knicks and bring a championship to New York. So let's all work together, okay, as a team. Um, my God, Apple's had a rough uh, couple of months. This Apple FaceTime hack bug, it's a bug, bug. it's a bug, bug. Yeah. bug, is unexplainable. How long has this been going on? How pervasive is it? And explain what basically happened gadget guy dave matthews so it was shut down pretty quickly so it's not very pervasive but what would happen is i could call you on facetime and then i could ring zach as a group facetime message okay and you and i would be in cahoots because we want to see what thing zach's investing in next gotcha so as you and i would would be knowingly collaborating in this Got it. Zach would not know that his microphone would be engaged. Immediately. Immediately. Without, well, on his Before phone, he answers. Before he answers. So it he would, would get say, the ring. He would get the ring and the button to press answer, but we would already be listening in on those And what if he didn't nuggets. pick up? Would Doesn't matter. He would, well, it would time out. It would time out, of course, but, right. So you, best case timeout, scenario, you heard 30 seconds of ringing. Um, that's a well, good question because yeah. the timeouts on FaceTime calls are much longer than a, sure. a normal call, but we would know anything we needed about Zach's next big investment. Absolutely, um, which is interesting, but we, of course, hacked into his email long ago. That's true. <laughs> uh, th- this is uncharacteristic for f- for a bug like this to exist. What When we see something like this, should we be concerned that this is going on more often than we know, or should we be, uh, should we feel good that, Zach, this got caught so quickly? Well, how should consumers feel? I, I mean, if you think about the number of bugs that Apple has, it's, it's it's virtually nothing relative to every other major platform in the world. I mean, uh, it's it's astounding how good of a track record they put up. I mean, you compare them to, like we could all compare them to the way Microsoft used to work for so many years. Like you'd have your Apple, it would always work and be beautiful, and then you'd have Windows. Yeah. So, I mean, for them to have one, yeah. I think it's totally okay. It's a mistake. It happens. It's the nature of the complexity of the scale that we operate at in this in this business for these things to happen. So I'm, I think I'm this not... is a retro throwback though, right? Remember when you had calling uh, party lines? My grandparents had this. <laughs> yeah. It was a neighborhood line. You could just pick up the phone and Hilarious. then if, if you didn't hear dial tone, yeah. you could uh, just listen in on the neighbors having a conversation. That's all this is. It's a, it's a it's digital a throwback. Throw, it's a throwback. It's yeah. a throwback. It's throwback Thursdays at Apple. <laughs> the bigger issue for Apple is that they made battery replacing fairly easy. And batteries have a life, Gadget Guy Dave Matthews, of what? Two years of active use in a phone? What do you think? Yeah, so what happens, batteries, they start to lose their capacity because Mm. the anodes start to build a chemical reaction inside. Uh. And then ultimately they'll explode, which is a worse problem. 
um, when they, especially when they explode and catch fire. But they fire. degrade at what, 50%? They degrade over time. And what Apple was doing was slowing down the processor. So as your battery got to 50% capacity, your phone wouldn't die almost instantaneously. So Apple got in trouble for knowingly yes. throttling the uh, device CPU, so it would com consume less power. But they corrected that, and now there's a user setting to not make up for battery, battery degradation by degrading the CPU. And there's also visibility where you can see what the battery lifetime is at. So you can go into so a little more transparency. settings and see that your battery is at 92%. Um, but, but that is they, super clever when you think about it. They allowed, they knew that battery degradation was driven by CPU utilization so they said, hey, let's just gently glide people into the next phone by when their battery's dying, but this uh, is have the CPU go down. And, but, people, but it's sinister because people were like, oh my God, I have, my, my phone feels like it's slowing down after two yeah. years. And it, and it was. Right before the new iPhone comes out, my phone slide, slows down. That's what uh, everybody so was complaining about. So sinister. Right? But it, it's- Was it that sinister? It wasn't. They were just trying to get more life out mm -hmm. of your existing battery. Zach, what do you think? You think there's some wonky growth I mean, hacker who's like, you know what? Let's just degrade. Hey, the battery's degrading, so we degrade the CPU. The whole phone feels slow. You upgrade. Or were they actually trying to mitigate battery life issues? I think in, intentional obsolescence is a, something that's been practiced for many, many years. Mm. And I think the Apple guys, just like every other great winning corporation, realizes this is a full contact game. And you either win or you lose. And in order to win, sometimes you have to skirt the rules or skirt at least sort of people's expectations of what is fair and unfair a little bit. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me one little bit if this was very intentional on their part. What's interesting about this is I recently embraced the Chrome OS. And I took our old Macs. And there's a company that builds a little toolkit that lets you put Chrome OS on an old iMac. You put Chrome OS on a 10-year-old iMac, and it is racing fast. Hmm. So it turns out that we probably do not need to upgrade our computers. We just need to put Chrome OS, the lightest, fastest, I think, operating yep. system out there. Uh, that's really good. You just put that on an old 5, 10-year-old Mac, it feels like a new computer. Bonkers. But, but think about this planned obsolescence. Thomas Edison's invented light bulbs are still glowing to this day. It was General Electric that- What? Yeah, the light bulbs at Edison's, his ranches and his labs are still burning, but it wasn't till GE. How many years later is that? A hundred years. Wow. So planned obsolescence, you know, we wouldn't need the light bulbs. And now when you buy an LED bulb, the life is so much longer, but typically what burns out is the voltage controllers and the capacitors and the things that drive the LED lights. Okay, when we get back, Apple, in response to all of their iPhone uh, malaise problems and people not feeling the need to upgrade, seems to have done something just absolutely brilliant. They're going to deprecate their next killer product line, which is self-driving cars, because they don't have an innovation problem at Apple. When we get back, we'll discuss that horrible, bizarre, stupid decision. Um, but here's something that's not stupid. NetSuite by Oracle. Yeah, shared spreadsheets, mutual manual processes and legacy systems costing you tons of time. It's a disaster. But NetSuite by Oracle is the business management software that you need to handle every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform. It's gonna save you time and money uh, and unneeded headaches by managing all your sales and finance and accounting. 
as well as orders, human resources, all right from your desk or even your phone. Thousands of the best known brands and fastest growing companies use NetSuite by Oracle to manage their business. And now it's available to you. And the world's most popular cloud management system is more affordable than you think. So don't think that this is out of reach. So here's your call to action right now. NetSuite is offering you valuable insights to overcome the obstacles that are holding you back for free. You can unleash your business's full potential with this free guide. I got it here. I printed it out. Crushing the five barriers to growth. You know what they are. Finding your next customer, increasing profits, cash flow, visibility. That's one you might not know about. Tackling regulations, super important. And building a winning team. You can get this guide right now by going to netsuite.com slash twist netsuite s-u-i-t-e dot com slash twist go there now and get crushing the five barriers to growth it's a great report and you're going to get a lot out of it okay zach apple has a self-driving project we all know it it's called titan and they uh had maybe 200 people there and earnings have been dropping and there are people concerned about the slowing um slowing growth of the iPhone. So paradoxically, they're going to get rid of the next high growth product, a self-driving car. What do you think? Yeah, I I think it's, um, I think it has a lot less to do with the slowing growth of the iPhone. I mean, if you really, if you think about it, self-driving is a multi-trillion dollar market opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, there's going to be a couple winners and the vast majority of sort of the status quo car manufacturing and transportation and, you know, lolly down all the way down the list, market ecosystem is going to be driven out of business by self-driving. So it's a big, big play. And as a result, you know, there are some major, major investments going on into winning this race. And Apple either needed to basically be willing to invest tens of billions of dollars, potentially hundreds of billions of dollars over the next decade to keep up, or they needed to quit. And I think, you know, it's not surprising that they they sort of stuck their toe in the water and realized that it's going to be a really hard, really long ride for them to to go and and decided it was probably not a good idea to compete there. So, uh, Dave Matthews, right decision, wrong decision. They have $250 billion in cash. They throw off $50 billion a year or so, I think. Yeah, but Jobs doesn't want to be, the late Jobs, didn't want to be in the consumable business. And the car mm. is all about service, maintenance. Mm. Now Voltage was oil right. and fuel, right? Um, I was at CES, my Mecca. Yes. And I saw the bell. Did you get the flu? I did not. No, okay. no, no. I just, I did uh, 36 flu, hours. Flu 7.0 was out. Yeah. Yeah. I so. flew in, flew out. It didn't have a chance to land a virus on me. Great. It was so quick. Was it crazy this year? Was it bigger than ever? 180,000 nerds. What? Right. Yeah. Unbelievable. Bonkers. Crazy. So what I saw was the Bell quad rotor helicopter, like Bell helicopters, yeah. famous since MASH, yeah. yeah. They, They're the originators of the helicopter, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a quad rotor. So I think Apple's going to say, like, forget self-driving cars. We want self-flying cars. Ah, they're going to go VTOL. Gonna, yep. VTOL. Vertical takeoff yeah. and landing. VTOL yep. or toll? VTOL. Uh, VTOL, uh, that makes more sense because no, it's one L. Takeoff and vertical land. takeoff and landing. Yeah. So you think they'll go that way? Yeah, I think. What was the Vel VTOL like? Um, it was phenomenally sexy. It was just this big black behemoth with blue LEDs around it, and they they could rotate the uh, rotors to do forward or uh, take off. And was it going up and down? And no, they were just rotating them, but they had a really nice audiovisual presentation that huh. went along with it. So they did projections on top of it, and then a massive 
uh, wall size oh. screen beside it. Did you see it, Zach? It seems like you're it, nodding it was, here. It was Did gorgeous. you put in an order for one? It's unfortunately it doesn't work, and the technology is not there yet. But uh, if they get there's there, there's a couple of them that are. Larry Page invested in a couple of them, and they're flying them over so, water. Yep. I saw Casey Needstad uh, was flying one, and they're definitely flying humans in them in for yep. ten minute sorties. Yeah, yeah. So I think the 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 Bell version is a multiple levels, of multiple generations scaled and advanced beyond the yeah. sort of current sort of proof of concepts that are out there. And this, my understanding, and I'm not an expert in VTOL, but like there's a lot of good hard work that needs to be done in the motors because the precision of the motors needs to remain the same, but even at that massive scale, which is very difficult. Um, and there's like the other issue is is that with like those you know, four-bladed helicopters, if one fails, the whole thing crashes. Uh, right. You really need to have like- Highly this, problematic. Eight. Yeah. yeah. Eight sounds better to me. Yeah. Well, Maybe now 16, when they have four yeah. blades, yeah. don't they always stack two per column yeah. so that if one fails, you kind of have half of one there? Yeah. You, there's uh, in a straw configuration, which straw, is, is that okay. two holes or one hole? I don't know. See, that's a YouTube video. Yeah. Watch that one. Yeah. Um, but a blade top, a blade bottom. Got right? it. So counter-rotating- so you do have a little bit of backup. Uh, right. You saw that YouTube so, video. Is it a hole or is it? Oh, no, it was, uh, it was Tosh. Oh, yeah. interesting. Is it a hole or two openings? Yeah. Yeah, the debate continues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how soon before VTOLs are flying so the problem, commercially? The problem is the transition period. When you're going from rise to forward, uh -huh. there's a stall point. And that stall point is what got the Harrier falling out of the sky. So the Harrier was the uh, British government's very famous airplane that did yes. this, which is grounded. So if you could work out the math, which I'm sure the, the computers can figure out, if we start the leading edge to tip first while the back is still giving lift, et cetera. Seems so, easy for a- yeah, These nerds will figure it trivia. out. We don't, we don't have to worry about it. We, we, you and I will do it in the afternoon. We, we're so, done here. So when do we think commercial flight in the developed world happens? So let's with a passenger, you can buy a ticket and take one. You and I could go to this city, whether it's Shanghai or Chicago, and get in one and fly it for let's say a minimum of fifteen minutes. When would they let a consumer in one of these to pay for a ticket for ten minutes on a commercial flight? So the pick uh, a year. So let's see the six years from now, ten years from the, now. What the, do you pick? The planes exist. The Harrier exists. So. We know that it's uh, physically possible, right? Mm -hmm. The physics work. Okay. Um, Bell Helicopter, you know, pretty sizable company. Uber's also working on a flying car. Sure. Larry Page invested in two. From uh -huh. I like Larry how you're Page thinking. Um, what I also know is Toyota is working on this sure. technology as Makes well. Makes total sense. Okay. Right? Because, um, you know, the Prius is such a terrible vehicle. They have to you know, yeah. usurp that. Yeah. Um, sorry, really? San Francisco. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I mean, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah. But sorry. Um, so if we're at, uh, I say uh, uh, 2025 are probably first uh, first runs at this, and maybe 2030. Right. So we're uh, looking six years from now, you could get into one and pay for a ticket and ride at 10 minutes or more. Yeah, and I think the you use take case you over is, the under. I was exactly. just thinking that. I think it's. I think he's written a pretty good line. It's like, a pretty I good think, line. I mean, on average, usually you would take the over in this sort of an instance because there's a lot of unsolved problems, but the line's not that far away. I don't know. So over, if I had to pick, I'd pick over, but still. Yeah. That's interesting. I think it's going to be the under. Oh, wow. Because well. here's what I think. Uh, but I agree he said a great line, Zach. So you're going to take the over, I take the under. And uh, what are we going to play for? A VTOL? Oh. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> a bell. A bell. A bell, bell. bell. bell VTOL. <laughs> it's a $78 million plane. Let's do it. Uh, but okay, we'll play for uh, 
Why don't we play for? Uh, play for? Don't don't accept sushi, by the way, because it, it never, never happens. It never happens. Never. Maybe just off. an iPhone. Maybe just like whatever the state for your with a fifty percent uh, power and CPU. Exactly. We'll do it for the most important thing for Jason. We'll just bet it on ego. Because, ego for because, sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. How, how about this? The loser has to wear the winner shirt for the episode of choice. Done. 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 Okay, so you Done. wear like a launch, and I'll wear a. Done. Zach. I'm, I'm, I'm now digging out my QCAT t-shirts. <laughs> I'm, I, I love Zach t-shirt. I'm gonna be wearing it for the podcast. No, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna be like Zach was right. That's it. Zach was right. That's Perfect. Good. Okay, Jason. Yeah, have to wear Zach was right or Jason was right t-shirt. Perfect. So I Done. got the under of uh, six years from this moment in time. Jackie, book it and put it on the wiki. Yeah. Uh, put a calendar. Actually, put it in our calendars. It's got to be, but it's got to be a passenger. Any passenger, not just some random other test pilot, but a legit a legit passenger gets on. Um, yeah. So here's why and, I and they would pay to get somewhere, not just testing. This is why I think it's I'm going to win. Okay, because I believe somebody will make one of these as like an attraction to go across the bay, to go across a lake. Yeah, and so it'll be like a finite thing, like go across Lake Tahoe from yeah. Manhattan to JFK. I think that's the. I wouldn't make that bet because that oh. requires regulation. I think. The oh no, I'm not. So then we're talking about like commercial, I'm not talking like tourist attraction. It's got to oh, okay. be like it, that's uh, why. That's why basically. All right, like, so then we need to redefine the line in the bet. Okay. Because I was thinking that we're going to see one like oh. go from one side of Lake Tahoe to the sure, other, yeah. and that seems like yeah. that could be doable. And yeah, years. you sign enough releases, and like yeah, you're, it's kind of like bungee jumping. Die, but it's you know it's not your yeah. fault because you signed. All right, so let's reset the line. The line is going from. Uh, a heliport in Manhattan over the water to one of the three major airports in Manhattan. Or anything comparable. Yeah, because so we, would, we like... would both take the over on that. No, let's just take Manhattan. It's, it's perfect. Yeah, I'd take the over, yeah. You take the over, over. Yeah. Okay, so you set the new line for Manhattan, uh, going from a heliport in Manhattan to either LaGuardia, Newark, or JFK. One of those three. You know... Not six, so not twenty twenty six, not six or twenty twenty five, twenty six is out of this question. You, here, you just more. set the line. I'll do the over under. This is basically okay. you and I hanging out. We automatically go straight to gambling. So straight to gambling. Like All right. Yeah. Well, I'll set the line at twenty thirty then. Oh wow! I'll take the under on that. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I thought you would. Okay, okay. so then uh, I set the line at twenty thirty. You want the over or the under? I'm gonna go under. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay great. Perfect. So uh, commercial flight from Manhattan to one of the regional yeah, airports. And some perfect. sort of VTOL. Uh, yeah, veto. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, right, I mean, don't... I think veto is something. I'm excited with... to see you in my shirt because I, I can win it sooner than that. And you Absolutely. Could, we can like get you right, in my shirt. Uh, announcing on today's show, uh, meet Delta Corporation. Delta has announced this veto, and it will be uh, they've uh, got permission in 2031 from Manhattan to have this going from the heliports. I had the inside information. I'm an investor nice. in the company. <laughs> oh, Thanks, guys. I'll get the t-shirts with the t-shirts. Yeah, Jason we're gonna, right some, t-shirts. some company's going to beat Delta. I mean, this slow. I'm joking. I have no idea who that was. Delta. <laughs> yeah, you want to bet on Delta, good luck. We love to fly. Okay, when we get back, we're going to talk about Facebook's disastrous year, including the latest, uh, everybody knows they purchased that on Avo, uh, which did data collection, and that company was pure evil and was doing all kinds of wonky stuff, but it sound, turns out they were paying teens and adults 20 bucks a month to give them root access to all the data transmitted in their phones. Was this pure evil or is everybody overreacting because those people knew what they were getting into? And speaking of uh, getting into uh, something great, MixMax is an awesome Gmail productivity application that we use here at Launch and Love. Uh, It creates powerful, powerful campaigns with awesome analytics for 
your email and this supercharges your sales team. We have massive efficiency now in sales and also in recruiting. Uh, some people are using it for customer success as well. Our customers are already successful, so we don't really need to use it for that. But for sales, imagine getting increased engagement and having automation and analytics uh, that bring in new business. 70% open rates, 50 to 60% reply rates. Wouldn't those be great? Well, that's what we're getting. Uh, and Thumbtack sales team uses it as well. Their HR team uses it, one of my top investments. And our uh, sales executive, Grant, here, he says it has made his uh, life much more efficient and effective since he switched over to Mixmax. He loves it. He will not shut up about it. That's when you know you have a really great tool in your company, when one person is literally haranguing everybody to use it and he's got uh, the high ground because he's getting a 91% open rate and a 20% click rate over a 30% reply bit, uh, supply, reply rate and uh, that means he's converting 10% of his outbound emails into meeting conversions and that's why we're doing so well here at This Week in Startups and Launch. So here is a ridiculous offer. And you know, I really work with the the partners in the program to get you an amazing offer. I don't, I don't like when they give like a cheesy offer or like, hey, we're going to give you a high five. No. A hundred dollars, a hundy, a C-note for you right now. A hundred dollars in credit uh, with a minimum of three annual licenses, no strings attached, no credit card required to get to your demo. Go to get.mixmax.com slash twist. Get.mixmax.com slash twist. Get.mixmax.com slash twist to get that hundred dollars in credits. They just want you to try the product. They know if you try the product, they're so confident that you're going to love it as much as our sales team does. And uh, we're also using it for recruitment. So stay tuned. We'll give you some metrics after we do our uh, recruitment effort as to how we did with that. It's a great product. We love it. We use it. Get.mixmax.com slash twist and go get your hundy. All right. Facebook. Onovo. Is that how you pronounce it, Onovo? Yeah, so this was a VPN. And when they launched it in 2012 or 13, it was a way for you to save bandwidth. Mm. So, oh, the goodness but, of their heart. Yeah, yeah, but it was you know pre-purchase for Facebook. And yeah. what happens is they would take the images and they would condense them. They'd do their own kind of compression in line. So I install this on my phone. Yep. I'm concerned about my data plan. Yep. And when I download a big image from Twitter or the whatever, Drudge Report, it says, let's take that whatever it is, uh, one meg image and make it a 100K image. And they'd interpolate it. They'd put some compression on it. And on a right. small device like a phone or a tablet, that would be fine, right? Um, and I'm sure it makes surfing the web snappy. Yep. And there's also a ton of VPN companies out there to obfuscate your IP address. So you sure. can see that you're coming from another city. Or if you go to a coffee shop, you generally want to be in a VPN to prevent what's called a man-in-the-middle attack. Yes. Very sexist term, but I'm going to go with it. Man in the middle attack means. Yeah, remember, the internet yes. is run by nerds that are generally yes, male. So it's, uh, yeah. it's that man. I, yeah, I have God access. I have root access. Yep. I so, am the dungeon master. So when Facebook bought them, it was to do twofold. It was one, that app had the ability to see what other apps were on the phone. Uh oh. So this is a little bit nefarious, right? Yeah. And this is how the valuation of WhatsApp, the $19 billion purchase, was uh, quantified by Facebook because they saw that Facebook Messenger traffic had half the traffic that WhatsApp was pushing through. Right, how sinister is that? And they could also see how many WhatsApp installations were on all these phones. This shows you exactly how cutthroat and amazing at executing Facebook is. They bought a VPN company with the explicit purpose, I believe, or it seems, uh, and I have some inside information on this, because they wanted to study competitors and know more about their competitors than the competitors themselves knew. Because the competitors don't have this data. 
So they take this company out, and I believe that this was how they figured out who were who they would target. Now, here's an even more sinister one. What if those companies want to spend money on Facebook? They could look at their growth and how much money they're making and use make business decisions based on it. Oh, Snapchat's growing really fast. Oh, they want to buy ads on our platform. Okay, we don't let them buy ads. Or, oh, we, this is an up-and-coming company. Sure, we'll let them buy ads until they hit 15%. Then we study them. Then we cut them off. But here's the further creepy thing is if those two things aren't creepy enough. If you read the article correctly, it says they installed what's called a root certificate on the phone. Okay. And a root certificate is, think about God mode to look inside of any encrypted traffic. So generally, if you run a VPN and you go to a website, that website has something called SSL, which is web-based security. Yeah. But a root certificate would has the potential to break those other ciphers. Yeah. So now they could see the content going across the oh, messages. Oh, Lord. So that's oh, where it gets Lord. super creepy. And one of the researchers that they interviewed for the TechCrunch story said that Facebook was able to read the content of the messages going across those what would normally be encrypted links. Brutal. Uh, and they were paying people after they bought it, they were paying people as part of this Project Atlas or something, 20 bucks a month. And this is where I look at it and go, hmm. So I, I think the the Onova story, that's going to wind up. I think we know 10% of what's going on there. I think when the other 90% go, and I've had some whispers in my ear about this, the other 90% is going to be so nefarious that it's going to result in literally somebody's going to wind up leaving Facebook over it. And well, I think COPA will really play into effect here because- Explain what COPA is. Uh, the Child Online Privacy Act. Yes. So um, they were they were actively recruiting through social channels like Instagram. 13-year-olds. 13-year-olds, right? And giving them 20 bucks. 20 bucks a month. And if you're 13, for 20 bucks a month, that's huge. Yeah. That's, uh, that's more than you're making from your allowance. I know more than I was making. Yeah, was making no, no, it's significant. Pennies. Zach, uh, on a scale of- one to Zuckerberg, how loathsome is this development? <laughs> I mean, one a, to 10. Is that Apple to Zuckerberg, A to Z? Yeah, or? from <laughs> Apple to Zuckerberg, exactly. From Apple to Theranos, exactly. Oh, man. Too soon for how Theranos. How loathsome is this? <laughs> um, so I'd say a couple things before I, I, I score it. I mean, one, like... Nielsen and a lot of other market research firms have been doing very similar, very, sure. very, very invasive things in people's lives for a hundred years, which is like, hey, we give you money and you let us learn everything about you. I mean, literally people would sit in their homes and watch them and see what they do, yeah. see what time they went to sleep. See, how, I mean, and market research is a well-understood phenomenon. And these people agreed to be market research subjects. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's under the age of 18, their parents signed off on it. So it's not just like, here's 20 bucks to keep little kitties, give us the, the dirty candy. It's like, hey- Yeah, they didn't do this as a schoolyard transaction yeah. without the parents knowing. Yeah. The parents- Choosing ostensibly signed off on it. Yeah, I mean, like, so you you can you could argue that people don't know what they're getting into, but then therefore, I think you indict the entire market research world, which is mm -hmm. that like you're collecting information and you're giving people the choice to be part of that or not. Yeah, and I believe people have free will and they they're responsible for making their own decisions. So I I, I personally find this whole kerfunkle about sort of Facebook doing market research to be a bunch of like fear-mongering about Facebook, which yeah. the media loves to do right now. Sure they because do. Because they're starting to realize 
that Facebook is a giant, powerful beast and that that Facebook is a winner and winners often push the envelope aggressively, yeah. sometimes in ways that people are uncomfortable with. And I think we're, we're kind of coming to real, it's like a very cyclical pattern. It's like nobody pays attention and everyone's like, oh my God, look at that. And right. then everyone freaks out and then like in three years, everyone will be like, oh, that's normal. Yeah. So it's, it's just, we're going through a cycle. Behind every great fortune is an even greater crime. Uh, do you think this one is uh, loathsome or to Zach's point, is it just Facebook's worst year ever and anything they do that even just appears to be the appearance of impropriety is going to be taken as you know, impropriety. It's For me, it's the root certificate. If you can look inside my financial transactions, that's where it gets creepy, yeah. right? So a VPN's fine because you can see what sites I go to, you can see where I ping on different networks. Yeah, That's enough for market research. That's the Nielsen caliber research. But Nielsen's not asking you how much exact dollar amount you have in your bank. They're asking for your range of salary or your range of Yeah, and they might savings. not be listening to your DM stream. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree. I would agree. If, if there's, if there's, if they were misusing root certificate access to basically get access to things well beyond the scope of what they informed people they were going to be looking into, yeah. that's totally not okay. Like I think that I think like I think that it comes down to there's informed consent and like it needs to be clearly informed of what they're going to do and people need to be able to can clearly consent and if they basically push the envelope there then that's absolutely not okay. And as I predicted, none of it matters. Uh, <laughs> they crushed it. They crushed it. <laughs> Revenue is up 37% from 2017. Uh, usually these kind of crises take a little while to manifest in fairness. So if there is a, a cancer going on here, the time between when the diagnosis happens, i.e. this is a bad company with bad intent and is doing bad things in the world, it might take a couple of years for it, in my experience, to to metastasize. Uh, so we'll see in two years or three years what happens. That's when this would actually hit. But so far, is there, what do you think the long-term impact of the worst year ever will be, Dave Matthews? So the problem with everything that we're talking about in this show is it's highly technical. Would someone from Congress or the local news group understand a root certificate and yeah. and um, stateful packet inspection and all the things that are happening here? Yeah. Right. So I think what we need is to see some real world examples where they misuse data or that data uh, shows yeah. up like the the hacking databases where mm -hmm. we're able to see like, oh, Jason's not only on the zip code because we're using the Facebook app on his phone to track him with GPS constantly. Yeah. But also here's who he communicates with most. Here's who he does this with and that with. So. Um, it's as a technologist, it really freaks me out. Uh, but a lot of things just get glazed over by the, the technical, um, uh, minutia that, uh, the general public isn't able to understand. Actually, I was just thinking something as you were saying what you're saying, is there any big tech company left that people don't regard as just inherently evil? I mean, we're now at the point where like, that like every Apple, well, I mean, Tesla, I mean, Apple people have Amazon. Deep, deep problems. Tesla with kills people, literally. <laughs> I think you mean car accidents kill people. Oh, sorry. I was, <laughs> Just to oh, be man. clear, oh, if you get in a Tesla, I was so off on they that. do not suck all the oxygen and <laughs> suffocate you in a Tesla. That is not a feature. Oh. No, there are car accidents in the real world. Sorry, yes. was, no, but right, I think if, right. you, if you were to look at the trustworthiness and the love of Apple, it would be very high. I mean, 
what we're talking about here is when the majority of people don't trust a company. Yeah. How many companies have tipped in that? I don't. I think the majority of people trust Tesla, Apple, and Amazon, and love those products. But I mean, like Amazon and the paying people fifteen dollars an hour thing—that was a giant backlash. Oh I my guess, god! Then, for their quote unquote slave factories, which people chose to go work at. Yeah. They didn't want to. They could go work somewhere else. I. I just think we've reached a point where tech has gotten so big and so powerful that it's just the whipping boy for. Yeah. It's just so default, easy to the, go after them. And the default state is to question the motive and the intent. And that's something I think the whole industry is going to have to just take a pause on and say, if the world doesn't trust us, what led to that? And I would say the leading candidate that led to this is Facebook and literally Zuckerberg's behavior points to one person's behavior, I believe, that led the sort of um, break things, move fast, you know, kind of approach. And that's the thing that just, the move fast and break stuff, that cannot happen when you have two billion members, yeah. But if if Travis had not moved fast and broken things, we would we would still be out there for thirty minutes after this interview trying to get a cab to pick us up. I, I so like there are, there are a lot of instances of moving fast and breaking things that are beautiful I, and like I that would make never, the world amazing. I'll be candid. I would never question the virtuous, the righteousness yeah. of Travis, Travis yeah. when he saved humanity from a very small number of transportation options. It is the antithesis of what Mark Zuckerberg has Sounds done. Sounds like an investor, wow. I'm not just talking my book. Wow. He made I'm the world a better place. Look, the, 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 him coining the phrase boober and being able to pull up people's Never trips, happened, fake news. Um, <laughs> that was my favorite. That's fake news. Okay. I, I think it's a perfect example. It's like, like everyone seems to forget that like these are human organizations with yes. humans who make human decisions and they're not infallible and everyone loves to point fingers. It's like basically yeah. the internet now is a finger pointing machine. Everyone just stands there. Oh my Lord. Like, just points fingers at everybody. Facebook. It's crazy. I love, my favorite of the last week was Charles Schultz is like, uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't eat cereal, but and they're just like Charles Schultz is a billionaire who doesn't know the price of Cheerios. <laughs> what's what I said? Don't ever correct me, Charles Schultz. Uh, what's Snoopy? Wait, what's Snoopy what's, what's Schultz's name? Howard. Howard Schultz. I he, him and I have gone back away. He's known as Chuck Charles to his friends, his middle name. But anyway, he is Howard Schultz to the rest of y'all. Chuck Schultz, for those of you who know, is the creator of Snoopy. All right, when we get back, I want to talk about the largest breach in the history, 772 million unique emails have been hacked, along with just 21 million passwords. Oh, my Lord. And we're bringing back the Deadpool when we get back on This Week in Startups. Let me take a moment to tell you about HubSpot, which we use and love here at launch. You're probably uh, guessing there's a theme here. We only invite people to be partners on this program if we love their product or one of our portfolio companies loves it uh, because we don't want to ever tell you to consider using these products if we don't stand behind them. And HubSpot is one we stand behind because I had the founder on the podcast uh, in year one. And HubSpot has had an amazing run as a startup and they have a new project. Um, Actually, I see this has been around for a couple of years now that I think about it. HubSpot for startups. And this program will help startups grow faster and scale. It's super cool and it includes a ridiculously steep discount on the HubSpot growth platform. And all of y'all want to grow up to 90% off startup education and programming and access to HubSpot's integrations at a startup friendly cost. 
thousands of startups are already using HubSpot sales, marketing, uh, and services software and learning from mentors associated with HubSpot for startups. I want you to go to HubSpot.com slash startups slash twist. That URL again. That URL again. HubSpot.com slash startups slash twist. And if you use that link, you will be entered into a free ticket to HubSpot's 24,000 person live event inbound, which is September 3rd to 6th. Uh, this year, 2019, in Boston. Go to Boston. It's a lovely time to be in Boston. Uh, September 3rd to 6th, 2019, in Boston. Uh, I may be there. Uh, HubSpot's 24,000-person live event, Inbound. You're going to get that uh, entered into that free drawing. And they do a great job. We use it here for CRM. It's fast. It's intuitive. It's robust. It's HubSpot. And go get that HubSpot for startups at HubSpot.com slash startup slash twist. It's just so great to read an ad for a startup that 10 years ago was on this very podcast. You know, we're going to be 10 years old, uh, I think in March, April, or May, um, which is just amazing. And then that's going to be the last episode of the show. So enjoy it uh, while you can, because we're going to get to our 10 year. I'm, I'm effing with y'all. Calm down. I'm not retiring. I'm not calling in rich. I'm going to still do the podcast. Okay. Everybody calm down. Wait, wait, I'm calling rich. Is that an option? It's for like this? a new joke. Uh, I'm calling rich. You know, you people calling sick. Oh yeah. I, I was a couple of years ago, I went to my friend's office and I'm like, where's this guy? And he's, oh, he called in Rich. And I said, I'm sorry, <laughs> what? And he said, he stayed in Italy. He was supposed to come back. He decided he's staying for another week. So he's uh, not calling in sick this week. He's calling in Rich. It's a new life goal. Thank you, It's a Jason. new life goal, calling wow. in Rich. Uh, yeah, a few money. It's just a beautiful thing. <laughs> was that? It's like a few money. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's the F you money category. Um, okay. Another year, another ridiculous breach. Tell us about this motherlord of all passwords that's just been released and how you can check if you've been pawned. Yeah, first of all, you've all been hacked. So this is a treasure trove of multiple breaches. So we think it's the LinkedIn breach. We think it's any number of uh, Yahoo breaches all aggregated into one file or a group of files. Um, 78 gig, I think, was the total of this. And my favorite was the data was accessible for only a short while on uh, the New Zealand man you love to hate founder of Mega Upload. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so uh, Mega Upload has his own issues. Uh, but um, yeah, the, this uh, this password list was sucked in, aggregated, deduplicated, and really well um, sorted by the um, founder of I have, haveibeenpwned.com. Yeah. And um, you have to go there immediately. Have I been pwned? There's no O in the last pwn, um, which is a take on... P-W-N-E-D. A take on owned, like someone owns your account. Yes. You can type in your email addresses that you use, throw your Yahoo in there, throw your Google in there. Yeah. Hopefully you're using a random generated password. This is why that's important. So the takeaway here is if your password is, you know, like your favorite band. Band. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you're like Megadeth. Yeah. You know, capital M. And even if you did capital M and an A at sign and a yeah but if you use the same one over and over again and one gets hacked all have been hacked and he also did a subset site a year ago where you can type in your password and you can see exactly how ununique your password is and that's why i think you should use passwords that are phrases um you know i love my mommy is the one i use um oh wait Uh oh oh anyway uh Uh, oh i really screwed the pooch you can keep telling her you love her, but it doesn't mean she's going to say it back. Okay. Another good hack is you, you use a, fa- the, a, a phrase and then you add the name of the website or some component of the name of the website yeah. into your phrase. So you're like, I love my mommy, GMA. 
for Gmail. And so yeah. that basically can make a unique password that is relatively yeah. long and complicated, but for each website you go to. And now, obviously you until can, somebody hacks that well, and you, one you time. Make the mnemonic, you make the mnemonic in your own head. And then yeah, you, you, change, you obviously you change your passwords as usual. But what the best it? thing you should do is download a, a password manager, right? So Safari, the latest versions, will suggest a super complex password. Well, that's great if you stay in the Apple ecosystem. But if you move between mobile apps and things where you don't have access to that Safari uh, keychain, then something like OnePass makes a really great password manager to create passwords that look like pseudo-random amounts of data, gobbledygook, dashes, exclamation points. You know, I did this, and then uh, I realized that on my new Chromebook, I now have to type in that password every time. So one pass would be a solution for this. One pass. No, you would ha you have to then because you know when you're on an Apple, you might have the phone unlock and you second factor authentication. Second factor of authentication. Yep. So if you do pick one of these for your desktop, you now have to type in an extremely long random one. So I've literally been trying to memorize like a thirty wow. random thing, and I can't do it. But one password should have a Chrome extension. No, no, as I'm well. talking about lo logging into your desktop. So that login, right? You, you still have to type in. Oh, your oh the the physical security on your laptop. Yes, logging into my laptop. You, it doesn't have face uh, right. unlock. Yeah, it doesn't have like a biometric. Right, but the chances of someone coming into your computer yeah. are very rare because it would have to be someone like me on your network. Yeah, but and just now by me with, appearing but here. But if you use Chrome OS, you're going to sync your Gmail login or your whatever, oh, Google because, Docs is your login to your that's desktop. True. Yeah, so Chrome it just, does. it's another issue. So what I wanna do is get yeah. some sort of, th I need a third party thumbprint that I can plug into a USB mm -hmm. drive or USB-C yep. and then be able to just put my thumb on it. Right. That must exist in they, the they, world. They are, there's that. a lot of those for the crypto space. Um, yeah, maybe, for your crypto yeah. thumb. Maybe since crypto market has fallen out, we could repurpose one of those. As Absolutely, cryptodipshit.com. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna go uh, to the uh, Deadpool in a moment. It's back. Um, and I want you guys to think about your favorite new product or service because part of the Deadpool is to uh, pay tribute to our fallen soldiers. There it is. That's your Deadpool. The Deadpool is a baby swimming pool with a bunch of logos. I love all the the, the, the warning, balls. the warning on the pool. Like, the do not swim the in the pool. Do not start a company. <laughs> it's going to end up in here at all likelihood. But I see some. I see some. Uh, I see ship in there. Uh, I see AOL. They're not technically dead. I don't know if I would include Juicero. Them. Oh, I love my oh, Juicero. There's, oh, there's MySpace and Theranos in the pool. Oh, very nice. Uh, well, today. I'm sad to put this one in because I'm a huge fan of Rodney Brooks, uh, of course, legendary MIT, uh, I think Media Lab, um, and he created a Looks robotics like a, company, a I guess, million 10 robot. years ago, and these robots that they made were supposed to be very easy, and, and were, in fact, easy to train. So a normal human being, here's a normal human being, as you see there, would train it what to do just by moving its arm, and then the artificial intelligence would theoretically pull all of that data, and then it would memorize it. And that was Rethink Robotics. And uh, for those of you who don't know, the Roomba, uh, I think, came out of uh, Rodney Brooks's uh, robotics work. And so that's the most at-scale robot that we have in consumer life, I believe. I'd say that's a good... That's it, yeah, right? You can buy them on Home Shopping Network. That's, yeah, uh, I mean, it's the most accepted robot we have in our houses. Perhaps Alexa, people make an argument, is mm. like an assistant, but it's not actually physically moving around yeah. doing tasks. 
But sadly, the company um, didn't make it. I would say that the collaborative uh, robot from Rethink Robotics was just a little bit too early. Founded 2018, closes doors October 3rd, 2018. Assets acquired by Han Group, October 25th, 2018. Rethink Robotics, we salute we you. We salute you, yes. And now I take the reboot, the Rethink Robotics tombstone, and I add it. <laughs> <laughs> With a tear. To start a Deadpool. Oh, you crushed. I cut cut the tape. You crushed I don't want to talk about it. That. Wow. Come on, man. You just made some go, juice. Go wide. Go to the wide shot. Jason, okay. are you okay? Are you back with us? All right, buddy. I'm back. I'm back. Oh, good. Uh, let's go over our favorite startups that are not yet in the Deadpool. Um, I'm going to just go out with mine first. Uh, we have a company in our accelerator. And I think it's really um, a special company. I think you're going to be hearing a lot about it in the future. Uh, and they didn't know I was going to um, talk about it. But it's called Shoot My Travel. And uh, I'll have ja Emmy Award winning producer Jackie pull it up on the screen. This is a millennial delight. I invested in this company, Shoot My Travel. And what they do is a millennial or a Gen Xer who wants to get a Christmas shot for their Christmas card is in Kyoto, Paris, New York, wherever, Coachella. You say... I want to go take a tour of Brooklyn. I want to take a bunch of shots. Boom. You book a travel shooter. They, I think that's Hong Kong right there, actually. Uh, they meet you in Hong Kong mm -hmm. for two or three hours. You pay them 200 bucks. They take pictures of you. They also tell you, these are the seven best shots to take a photo. Would you like to take all seven or four? And they act as a tour guide. And they act as a photographer. Now, the reason I love this is because, yes, if you get this Google Pixel 3 and you saw my shots on my Instagram.com slash Jason, go follow me. I need more followers um, on Instagram. I started like shooting all my stuff with this Pixel 3. It's amazing. But I'm not in the photos. It's all photos of what I'm eating and whatever. This allows you, somebody with a beautiful digital SLR, to go take great shots. It's like a you human own the rights. selfie stick. It's Uber for photographers. <laughs> now, if you want to spend... You know, 150 bucks on a selfie stick and whack people and be the be that person on yeah. the ferry in Shanghai. Uh -huh. I'm sorry, in Hong Kong to whack people in the head. Sure, go for it. But that's not this. Oh, it's like a this human stalker. Is shoot my travel. Uh -huh. What's the what's is what's their uh, domain name? I wonder. Shootmytravel.com. Okay, so I would have never guessed that, but go check out shootmytravel.com, um, and it's just really this great. It's clever. It's a good add-on for your Airbnb. I think. Uh, if you think about it, like scroll down here, you, get, you should uh, always keep the screen moving here. But if you go down, you'll see like some of the uh, photographs. And, you know, it's amazing because if you go with your kids and stuff like that, you know, you wind up looking at your photo roll. You maybe get one or two good shots. Here you're going to be guaranteed to get like 10 amazing shots that you'll cherish and even just sorting your photos. Uh, Dave, an amazing startup or gadget that you got to see at CES or otherwise that uh, you've seen in the last couple of months that you are blown away by? Yeah, so I did walk the floor at CES just because I had to see the Bell helicopter. That was the most impressive. But okay. um, what's interesting is the car stereo companies, they really have a problem these days because the head units are so integrated into the cars. Like think about Tesla, you're not going to put an aftermarket stereo You're in not it. ripping that out. No. Right? So even, wait, wait, so that category is dead? It's, it's not dead. It's what they're building is really lightweight receivers that hook into your iPhone. Because typically, if you're driving a car that's more than a few years old, you might just have a crappy Bluetooth connection for telephone. Hmm. And what they're able to do is add on Bluetooth so you can stream your music and maybe run Pandora through your phone. 
and have just like a lightweight head unit for your car. Oh, that's neat. You don't really need the, the screen that flips out to watch DVDs, which was very vogue 10 years ago at yes. CES. Now it's just your receiver is becoming a remote node for your phone. But I've got a favorite app that I'm, I'm really into now. It's uh, Millennial Focused. Okay, or, great. Or Gen, Gen Z, I think we're up to now. I think Gen Z. Yeah, we're past yeah. millennials. The millennials are the ones who don't want to work. The Gen Z ones are the ones who want to take over the government yeah. and make Just like Gen social. Xers, they're badasses coming to- They're badasses, but I think they also want to make America into a socialist country. Oh, Let's okay, hope good. they hit- I, I, let's hope they make it to the Norway version of it, not the Russian <laughs> okay. Chinese right. version of socialism. But what uh, what these guys uh, never think it's neverthink.tv. Okay. What they have is a website that you can go to on any device, from your iPhone to your iPad to your your Windows computer, you name it, and it starts rendering videos on a human curated channel. So the channels are all emoji based. If you look at the emojis there, okay, and it streams very quickly. Um, the human curators, this is the, a meme radar channel. Um, they're hilarious videos that are in here. It's all free. It's, um, it's all YouTube right now, but they have a, a platform for content management of, um, engagement. I love this little, uh, um, in between screen. It's a remnant of uh, static that we yeah. used to watch with yeah, analog yeah. TV, but, um, yeah, it's a really cute. And then when you hold the orientation, uh, horizontal or vertical, it changes the layout to be full screen or. Is that a seal or a mongoose or? It's a, a ferret. Oh, it's a, yeah. a, it's it's a, a baby seal. It's I, an otter. It's, it's a, I think that's an otter. I'm going otter. Yeah. It's otterly Katoro, cute. The, it's otter. Uh, <laughs> um, wow. So what you're saying is they pull all the viral videos or whatever. Put them they in channels. Put them in channels, and then they have them human curated. And yeah. content goes in and out. Great. And uh, it's super social. Um, it's Neat. a lot of fun. It's a it's a cute TV network for uh, next gen. And Tell me the URL again. Or never think. Never think. Dot TV. Dot TV. Because never you, think. You don't TV. need to think about it anymore. I love it, Zach. Uh, something you've invested in that you love uh, would probably come to mind, but otherwise, yeah. anything. Yeah. So one of my most recent investments is a company called Mud WTR, um, and it's a uh, chai tea mushroom blend. So basically, mm -hmm. it's chai, uh, largely caffeine free, but tastes great, and then four oh, different yeah. types of mushrooms um, and keiko and a number of other ingredients. And it is absolutely the best thing I've ever had. I, awesome. I drink it every day now. You, you could basically no longer need to drink coffee. You can drink mud because the mushrooms have active ingredients that give you the attention and give you the yeah, energy. Yeah. And it's like drinking coffee, but without the crash. And it's- I like the self-deprecating. Cool. They're like, it's mud water. Yeah. yeah. It's oh, mud yeah. water. Yeah, it's amazing. It's All right. Uh, wrapping up, coming around the horn, uh, something is happening here. And I think it's pretty clear. Journalism is- collapsing deadpool journalism unbelievable <laughs> what's going on here we have now are we surprised i of course not i mean vcs go into venture capital it doesn't work out uh, vcs go into content it doesn't work out shocked i mean the the concept of venture capital is go big or go home vice and buzzfeed doing exactly that and I don't understand what the big controversy is. They laid off 10%. They hit 250 to $300 million in revenue. That sounds like success to me, but you know they're only growing 30% year over year or 20%. So that is slow growth for the venture community. But for a media company, that would be vibrant. And they lay off 100 people and you would think that it was the closing of Bear Stearns or like, you know, like literally the shuttering of a 10,000 person, it was 100 people I think who were impacted. So 100 people are impacted and literally social media, 
This shows you how powerful the BuzzFeed people were at social media. They made their 100 people getting laid off into the equivalent of like Kodak going out of business or, you know, I'm trying, I mean, literally you would think that the world was ending. You would think it was a thousand people. Cause I yeah. was talking to journalists just the, the last two days when I was at the subfront summit and they were like, yeah, no, it's a hundred people. I'm like, well, why is it so noisy? It's like journalists talk about themselves. Is it a major thing? A minor thing? What do you think, Dave? So Buzzfeed, um, I didn't get any of my news there. Um, Vice I thought was clever. Um, I liked Vice's documentaries. I liked that they did the partnership with HBO. Then they did their own channel. So they were getting a little um, bloated anyway. So I think these are normal resets. Um, anything to take away from here except that people got ahead of their skis, Zach? I mean, it, it, this is happens all the time in companies. You, you trim 10%, you add 20%, you trim 15%. I mean, this is kind of like spring table cleaning. stakes. Yeah, yeah, spring cleaning. I, I mean... Didn't uh, Jack Welch just say, I'm going to fire 5% of every, the bottom 5% of performers every year? I think that was his philosophy. Mm. What's, I mean, what's the story here? Look, Why is it such a big story? Like, I think it's, I think it's not surprising at all. It's like, if you, if you operate in, a, in an ecosystem that you have a largely unlimited number of competitors, not to mention you have folks like yourself who are creating great content um, at scale and being able like the thousands and millions of flowers that are blooming all around us in terms of content creation are great for those of us who consume the content. And if you're one of the flowers, but unfortunately those flowers are also razor blades when it comes to stealing market share from a lot of these big scaled players. And that trend is not going to stop. The trend is going to continue to accelerate. So I, I wouldn't want to be an investor in that company. Yeah. I mean, it's, listen, I, I would never, obviously I would never make fun of people losing their jobs. Like it's, sure. it's terrible. I mean, it, I, I've been there. It, it's not fun. I've, I've laid off 75 people. It's not fun. Um, but they did this thing where like somebody put up, do you still have a job at Buzzfeed as a quiz? And I guess it was a contributor. They have a contributor section where I was like, you sure. know, Buzzfeed, you should just take that down. Like that is just not right. But I do think there is something to, um, what you're saying is that there are independent content creators who are building these little like one-off kind of yeah. entities um, that work, but it got very personal. And what was interesting is um, they didn't give people PTO. Mm -hmm. They didn't pay out their PTO, their pay time off. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, well that's lame. But then I was like, wait a second. And, they, and like they did this whole like article about it you know, like medium post, they're outraged. And I was like, okay, yeah, that is screwed up. Like, why wouldn't you do But I was like, that doesn't make any sense. They've got hundreds of millions of dollars. Why would they do that? It turns out, I talked to some journalists, they got 10 weeks of severance. So what they said was like, the average PTO is five days or 10 yeah. days. Yeah. We'll just give people 10 weeks. Yeah. Then those people got the 10 weeks and they're like, ah, uh, uh, where's my five days? <laughs> I want those five days too, you know? Uh. So it's kind of like, Millennials, <sighs> whatever. I listen. I, they they should have just. I mean, a lot of times, like I, I was talking to a GigaOM reporter when GigaOM went out, it was kind of like a crash and burn situation. They got two weeks, um, and in certain places, you get zero. Like you may get no severance. Like people have to learn that this is. And then the other thing is, they went after uh, Jonah Peretti, the founder, right? Jonah. He, we've tried to have him on the podcast. We should have him on the pod. He should just come talk about this because I think he got an unfair shake. But they were all like. Jonah Peretti's worth $60 million. He doesn't care about these people. It's like, wait a second. He's worth $60 million on paper for BuzzFeed. If anybody were to buy this slow growth 
you know, very respectable in total revenue, but you know, the slow growth company, if there's a media company that wants to buy it, and I think there is, probably Comcast or Disney or somebody maybe, sure, uh, somebody might want to have it and, and grow it. Um, but they're equating him making cuts to make the business sustainable to his net worth. To his to his paper net worth paper in the net same net. organization. It's like that could be zero. Like I wish there was a good word to describe just like willful ignorance around how business and capitalism works. Like so like if you're like you, you don't understand num numbers, you're enumerate. Like, how about, it just means you're like you're kind of an idiot, you're just an enumerate idiot. Like there's like there's just this willful like disbelief in that there's this reality in capitalism that exists that everybody just wants to pretend like it's this magic that produces these things you and like hit the nail these on rich the head. people are just like they're just stealing everything. It's like it drives me crazy. Like go read a couple economic textbooks and you like quickly learn this is hard stuff. This like, was this is the joke because I, I was just listening to Peter Kafka's um, podcast and he's just tremendous from Recode and now Vox and he had on um, Dan Primrack Primrack mm -hmm. yeah, uh, Primrack yeah. correctly and sure. he's tremendous as well and he does Axios um, and they were just talking about the willful like lack of knowledge yeah. of I believe they were talking about this like the journalists don't understand business. So when this happens, they're like, what is going on here? You're worth 60 million and you're not giving me my PTO? And they're like, wait a second. Yeah. You know, like most journalists do not understand how the media business works. So when it's this not just of, journalists, it's everybody. It's everybody. We, we, like, nobody... But the journalists are covering business yeah. and they don't understand it. So like, I literally was talking to this journalist. He's like, hey, can you tell me all your friends who left Silicon Valley to save on their taxes with Uber. Yeah. Sal. And I was like, you want me to give you the names of my friends so they can go through and audit with the IRS. Really? Yeah. That's what you're asking? Like, well, I could really use the favor. Yeah. And I wrote back like, are you deranged? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's like, crazy. Crazy. And they're like, well, I mean, I think they would want to talk about it. I'm like, have you really thought this through? Like. You move to another jurisdiction, which is actually, I think, a, a good topic for us to sort of meander sure. into. I think it's helpful. I think it's good. I think people should, I think it's great to have people leaving jurisdictions to escape taxes. Like, if, sure, it's obviously, you know, you're escaping taxes. That's not okay. But like, like it's it, like people moving with their feet and leaving places that overtax and don't do a good job allocating resources is a natural phenomenon. We should, it's a choice that people be, are allowed to make and yeah, they should make. Yeah, we should have that. We should encourage that. Now, right. it's escaping taxes that you already owe, that's not okay. But choosing to basically no longer reside, domicile yourself in a high tax place because it is an inefficient poorly managed you know mess and it's great like yeah, AT&T left New York um, Toyota left Southern California to go to Texas so this is um the big not just uh the isolated incidents of uh the rich from Salesforce moving to Montana they're buying up mountains in Montana yeah Wyoming is a no tax state there's seven states that don't charge tax Alaska Wyoming Nevada Nevada, Nevada Seattle Florida Florida, Florida Texas, Texas. Is that it? Dallas. It's the. I think Seattle's the state yet. They haven't Washington. I'm sorry. Washington. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, eventually. He'll I don't know anything else. I don't know any other city in Washington. They'll just secede and be like, look, this is like. As far as I'm concerned, I, Washington is Seattle. It's it the same I've, for me. I've, it's like Manhattan and the five boroughs are kind of New York for me. I know there's upstate. I go there, but it's kind of that's New York. I've driven all around Washington, <laughs> and there's really, it's only Seattle. The rest is tumbleweed. Well, what do you so. think of this sort of moment where Bernie Sanders. Everybody's just like uh, Elizabeth Warren, 3% wealth tax. What do you think? As three white guys in Silicon Valley, let's let's break it down. 
Flat tax. That's what I want. Flat tax. Flat taxes. Just everybody pays the same. You just can't. No, no, no. Tiered flat taxes. Tiered right? flat tax. It's, okay. It's uh, it's too so hard get rid to, of the loopholes. It's too hard to navigate all this stuff. You know, you got to pay lawyers, pay accountants, pay. It's a big game. Yeah, you're you're spending money to keep the shell game alive. What about the wealth tax? Take all your wealth, put it down on a piece of paper, give three percent of that value. So you've got you're a billionaire. You pay thirty million a year just to be a billionaire. Not on any transactions, just you have your assets are worth a billion, give thirty million a year until you die. As a non billionaire, I think that's a great idea. Okay. <laughs> now for people who are just mere millionaires, what do you think of this idea? Um three percent as a millionaire? Not, not on what shares you sold or money you made this year. In addition, you oh. take all your assets, every one of those Porsches, every oh, one of those Vespas. No. You have to write down their actual oh. value and pay a three percent oh. tax on those. How do you feel? So some states you do pay a um, value tax on vehicles, like Missouri, where I grew up. Oh yeah, um, I didn't know that. State tax yearly on the residual value of depreciating right. value huh. of the vehicle. I didn't so know that. that's why. Well, what about total assets? So take your house into that in yeah. addition. Well, California, you know, you get taxed on employment and real estate, right? So mm -hmm. Texas, you don't get the the employment tax, but you get the real estate taxes are higher. Every city, it's a yeah. it's a seesaw. Right. So, um, what do you think, Zach, of this three percent wealth tax? You think that yeah. would make a difference uh, in terms of the wealthy wanting to participate in the American system, or would it make them want to start going to other jurisdictions to be their home base? What I mean, do you it's, hear? It's, it's, it's super complicated. So, on one hand, I think that technology is creating massive efficiencies for individuals who basically can deploy that technology to accumulate large amounts of wealth very, very quickly. And so that is dramatically exacerbating you know, wealth, wealth inequality, which is a very real phenomenon. Mm -hmm. uh, robots are coming down the, the road and in five to 10 years, we will not have truck, or not, not five, 10 years, but in five to 10 years, we will have visibility into a world where we will no longer have truck drivers. We will no longer have a lot of factory jobs. Like Retail the, work will like be gone. The, no, the number of jobs that will be eviscerated in the next 20 years is like, is massive. Tens how, of millions in the United States. How we're going to deal with that in a world where we produce all the goods we need without needing people to do physical labor anymore is a very real phenomenon. But I think that just simply believing that we can slap a tax on the rich people and the rich people won't just move their wealth overseas is naive at, at, at its most gentle level to describe it. Stupid, willful stupidity at its worst. Like if you look at the tax rates in this country back in the 50s and 60s, there were 70, 80% tax rates, but we collected the same amount of tax relative to the GDP. So the total tax collection relative to GDP was relatively comparable, even with much, much higher marginal tax rates. And the reason was, is that people basically simply evaded the taxes. Yeah. And that was back in the 50s and 60s. Today, it's so much easier to evade taxes. You can move assets overseas very easily. You can move them into or Bitcoin. Or you could not you pay yourself a salary and have your company. equity come yeah. from equity, which yeah. is completely legitimate. Like yeah. I, I'm not interested in drawing a salary. I'm interested in owning equity and assets that appreciate. I, but on the other hand, I would really, really, really like us to put a carbon tax in place immediately. Yeah. It is crazy to me that we have this externality where you're allowed to pump all the carbon you want into the atmosphere, destroy the, the yeah. world of our children, destroying that world, Fake and we're not news. taxing that. Fake news. <laughs> no, it's crazy. Okay, listen, like, everybody. It was freezing, okay, Chicago? Yeah. You take a look at the river? Frozen, okay? It's not global warming. How, people talk global warming. I, I see a frozen river, okay? The ice skating in Chicago on the river. 
If I okay. could punch Thank that guy, you. I would. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ho. Hey, ho. Uh, I'm going to just edit that piece out with the Secret Service. He was talking <laughs> metaphor. If, if I could, which <laughs> I If can. I could was a qualifier. I'm not capable of doing it because of my pacifist uh, religion um, and the law, which says you guys I watched, not. Yeah, therefore I will. What you guys think but, of Fire Festival? Yeah. You watch the docs? Oh, it's on the list of things to do. You haven't watched it yet. This yeah. guy walked through the battery yesterday with a fry T-shirt on. I go, were you involved? He fire. goes, fire. Oh, yeah, fire spelled oh, yeah. fryer, fryer, fryer. F Y R E. But I, go, it's, it's, I, I kept go, doing the same thing. Please tell me you're involved. He goes, no, I just got the T-shirt. <laughs> I am well uh, super bummed. I am going to make myself a uh, Theranos. Uh, just a, hey, listen, you guys are all fans of the show. Somebody out there has a Theranos hoodie for me or a <laughs> Theranos blade. I need, actually, what I really want, if somebody could go do this for me. All right. In an imaginary world, if somebody went down to Mountain View or wherever the heck their headquarters were and got a crowbar and ripped the Theranos sign off the side of the building. <laughs> I might know somebody who would pay you $1,000 for that sign. I'm not saying you should commit a crime. No. I'm no. not saying you should rip that sign down. No. But if that sign <laughs> fell off and was in a dumpster Made somewhere. it in the back of the truck somehow. Fell and in the back it of fell truck. into your Uber X pool. I'm XL. sure they have to liquidate that thing. You can go buy it. I need yeah. the Theranos sign from the building. I will pay so I'll tell you a funny story. $1,000 for that sign right now in the garbage. So so my dad once acquired this sculpture that was sitting in the back of a, a junkyard down in Rochester where we used to live. And it's big, 2,000, two-ton, 4,000-pound bronze sculpture, big sculpture. And it was in the junkyard because it was broken. And so he just threw it in our front yard and it just sort of sat there for many, many years. Neighbors and, must have loved and, you. And one day, <laughs> no, no. And one day, basically, he hears a tow bar drop and uh, he's like, oh, they must be towing that car across the street with car alarm. Comes out the next morning, the sculpture's gone. 4,000 pound sculpture, someone stole it. Uh, so then he goes and actually figures out what he owned because he didn't really yeah, know. Yeah. Turns out it was a half a million dollar prized Italian postmodernist sculpture that was just sitting in the front yard for a decade before it got stolen. Wow. Um, so yeah, those things happen. Did they ever find the person? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's gone. Is there a website wow. for stole, mystoleart.com? Yeah. Uh, yeah, on the blockchain. I, I've got a new... Uh, Blockchain company for That's you. That's interesting. I'd like to invest 100 million coin okay, coins. Okay, here's the white it. paper. Um, there's a couple of typos in there. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna, I, I don't, I didn't have um, on my, my iOS 9 didn't have the spell checker turned on, but I'm going to send you the updated PDF with a new spell check. Don't read that white paper. You can delete that one. It's got the wrong hash address for you to send me all your money. What is, oh God. You're, I think you have a future for you in Voices? that voice. She just, that voice, I yeah, should just, just my, run with it. My better. my crypto dipshit voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. CDP. And here's the thing: it's on an immutable blockchain, and no government could stop it because there's an AI layer. There's an AI machine learning layer, <laughs> and we're going to buy the tokens, and it's going to be incredible. That's it's mapped to crypto dipshit.com. Greek lira. Tell me you own that. Crypto dipshit.com. Yeah. Yes. You can type in crypto dipshit right now. Hey, thanks to our uh, amazing partners, NetSuite, HubSpot, MixMax. So much great hotness. Thank you so much for supporting us. See you at launchfestivalsydney.com. Thank you, Emmy Award winning producer Jackie, Sir Charles, nephew Nick, uh, and the whole crew here. Thanks, of course, to Gadget Guy Dave Matthews. You can follow him on Twitter, GDDM. And um, yeah, what a legacy.
What a legacy. What a legacy. So excited to be here. Amazing. Every week. Why is there no Q cat on the wall? We should put it right next you know to what? the Oculus. I'll, we'll throw it in the Deadpool. I'll, I'll actually, you could, I've got a hundred <laughs> No, 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 no. I'll put it next to the Oculus oh, up there, oh, which is nice. also as worthless as a Q cat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a disaster. What did they pay? Eight billion? Or? No, only two billion. It's not, two? I mean, okay. it's, it's a, there, it was a fine purchase to make. I, it's just such an utter disaster that they're, once again, VR is DOA. Like, Every time I hear about VR, it's going to be different this time. And every time it sucks. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, wow, this is super cool. And then nobody cares. Except for one. I'll t there's one thing that people will not show up, shut up about. Is that, is it called Sandbox VR? The, yeah, the, the new, VR in San Mateo? The new uh, recent investment. They, they made a space mm -hmm. and you go Holodeck. and you- they made a hollow deck type thing, so you go play in a space and they oh, video. But you're you're not you don't have something over your eyes. No, you the walls. Do. Yeah, yeah, no, you, oh, do. you do. You still okay. wear it, so you're uh, wearing that's, whatever that's vibe. What but fails. they make their own content and they have a room. And because you go to the room, you can see the person next to you because they're yeah. doing motion capture in real time. So you really, when you're in a when you have a space and you have those things set up, it's much different than us putting our headsets on and being in two different locations. Right. Um, and then also Two Bit Circus down in. Um, Brett, son of, Brett in, uh, of Atari founder, yeah, Nolan Bushnell. Bushnell yeah, right? Brett, Brett, I oh, took Brett. my daughter and then I went to a party down at the Two-Bit Circus. If you haven't seen it and you're in LA, it's really your first stop. Um, it's pretty cool because they have story rooms, which are kind of like uh, those uh, puzzle rooms. What do they call them? Uh, escape rooms. Escape rooms. They call them story rooms. There. They're really cool. Then they have like a little arcade, like a midway, but with like more interesting interactive ones. They're very cool. Classic arcade games. They have a quiz room where you kind of sit, and I haven't done that one yet, but it's like we're sort of like the quiz night at a bar, mm -hmm. whatever the trivia night at a bar. But they do it with all like you know electric, uh, you know computers, uh, whatnot, yep. with the keyboards. What's cool is those guys were in and the, VR, and they have these VR rooms, and they also have these VR flying machines, like really advanced VR stuff. Yeah. Uh, they're another Intel in, uh, investment. Ah, um, but the the kids, the the son of Atari and the rest of the group they had been tinkering and building things in their lab in the brewery for years. And during the art walk of the brewery, you could go in and you could chat with them about the things that they're making. And I'm really a, a huge fan of their creativity and taking physical world inter interactions with digital add-ons. So I'm glad uh, you took your children there. Uh, it was pretty great. I got a little preview of it and my daughter did not want to leave. I yeah. mean, if you bring kids there, like you, you, and they have good food, like healthy food, like get some Brussels nice. sprouts or whatever, and like, yeah. you know, homemade chicken fingers and panko crust. Like awesome. it's like, it's kind quinoa. of dope. You're, you're kind of a quinoa guy. I'm not guy. a quinoa guy. Quinoa, no, no. Okay. not so much. Right. No, no, Steak no. Steak and potatoes good, Yeah, but no quinoa, please. Okay. I'll get All past right. that. Hey, and Zach Coleus is an amazing investor. If you have a company, uh, if you want to get one of the great investors uh, who's active out there making 10 investments a year, you you can't do better than Zach. So go join his, and if you're an investor, and you're thinking about being an angel, uh, read my book and join uh, Zach's um, syndicate on AngelList. Just type Zach Coleus, uh, Coleus Capital, and uh, yeah, he does a great job. Great investor. All the founders who meet with him say, that guy was smart. That's how I judge investors. I don't judge investors on their portfolio. I judge on the feedback I get back from my founders when they meet with them. Mm -hmm. Was it a good meeting, a bad meeting? Did they pay attention? Were they on their phone? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and Zach passes that with flying colors. Nice. Okay. Nice uh, Greek boy, right? Greek? Is that... Uh, it's complicated. I'm a mutt. Okay. Okay. There you go. Me too. Twenty. You got you 23 and me yourself yet? No. Have you 23 and me? Oh yeah. Yeah. What are you? Um, French, Scandinavian, Northern European, German, um, oh, a little how bit boring. of English. How boring. Northern. It's. Uh, Do you have anything interesting or nothing to add to the? Uh, table? A little Genghis in me. 
Yeah. What? I got a little Genghis. Genghis Khan. We all do. We yeah. do. Well, either Africa or Genghis. It's one or the other. Well, that's just kind of like, yeah, that's just like you come from planet Earth. Nothing. <laughs> you don't have like 1% Native American. No, no, no. surprises. So Not like Northern European. 2% Japanese or something. No. That's what I'm always looking for is the, the little deltas. Yeah. Really fascinating story as we wrap up. Friend of a friend tells me he gets an email, 23 in May. Yeah. He's got a half sister. Yeah. Dad was having a good time on the East Coast. Yeah. Well, he was living on the, the West time. Coast and dad's gone. And 23andMe gives you a little double opt in where you can meet anybody who may share DNA with you. Remember AOL? Surprise, you have a half sister. AOL would say, You've got mail. Now you've it's... got siblings. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've got, got siblings. <laughs> okay. Uh, Your dad was a philanderer. <laughs> it's like, well, whoops. <laughs> Mom's go got wrong. some explaining to do. In this case, dad was a philanderer for my friend. And mom's got some explaining to do <laughs> for there, the nude sister. There's so many stories out there. That there was one in the New York Times. Um, oh. Oh, there was a great story in, the, in New York Magazine from the woman who wrote Prozac Nation, maybe? Anyway, it turned out her dad was not her dad. Her mom knew, her dad who raised her knew. Uh, well, I'm telling a composite here, just to be clear. My friend of a friend, I'm just, it's a composite and I changed all the details. But anyway, in this story that's in the New Yorker right now, she finds out when she's 50 that the dad who she's got all these issues with and didn't feel loved by is not her dad. And the family friend who she loved and was tremendously supportive of her was her dad. Whoa. They're all dead. Now she's 50, and she's got to basically contend with the fact that she did know her dad, who is- In a different light. A mensch, and was a friend, and wow. she always had this like particular affinity for, and he would bring her birthday presents, and come by the house sometimes, and- Do you think he knew? He, Of course he knew. Okay. He 100% knew. The dad knew. The mom knew. Oh. And the mom in the story was told, in the New York Magazine story, by her therapist, to not rock the boat. Yeah. It wasn't worth subjecting your kids to this. Yeah. Can you imagine like the worst advice you could ever give is like, yes, let's not tell you where you came from. Like, And then the person's 50 and it's like, oh, by the way, let me just create the largest earthquake possible yeah. for you and you're gonna fall in a giant pit, now crawl out of it. Yeah. Like, That's not an isolated incident, I'm sure. Crazy. Oh my Lord. I, who knew our parents and grandparents were having a crazy time in the 70s Imagine and 50s? That. In the 70s, having a good time? Maybe in the 50s? Like, Flandering? Hmm. People got back from the war and the suburbs were crazy lit. All right. It was lit AF. Okay. Uh, we'll see you all next time on This Week in Startups. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you.